Hey guys, welcome to Unpacking Design. I'm Mike Lavalley. And Tim Ung, and this is a show where we tell you about products and ideas that relate to designers all over the world. Hey, what's up everybody? Welcome back to Unpacking Design. Tim, I have a, uh, this is not really a, a gadget, this is not a thing. This is more of a, an idea session that I kind of want to talk about. Okay. So, I want to get your thoughts on something that I've had to deal with. I don't even say had to deal with. It's just something that's part of my my day-to-day job, um, working in an office, working with people, and I want to see what your your general take on it is because I know that whether you've had um, a lot of people work under you yet in your position or not, yeah, I know you've worked mm-hmm. in teams before and you've seen the dynamics between mm-hmm. a whole bunch of different people. And I want to talk a little bit about project management, but specifically about managing people. Mm-hmm. And the reason I wanted to talk about that is because in the teams that I've worked with uh, over the last couple years, and even uh, at my other job, I, I worked with a couple teams where I was managing people, but I've definitely felt it more recently mm-hmm. in my career, is how do we, uh, and I'll, I'll open it up, because this, this is very broad intentionally and very um, vague intentionally, because I, I have some opinions about um, w- creating specific dynamics that work well with people, but also in trying to understand um, how to work with different people. So like as an example, uh, I really enjoy mentoring people on my team and people that are in the office that aren't necessarily on my team, but Mm -hmm. people I just know work in the office. Mm -hmm. Um, I have found in some ways the hard way that everyone is completely different. Mm-hmm. You know, there is no one management style that works with literally everybody. Mm-hmm. You have to kind of work with the ebbs and flows of different people. And I'm interested to see or understand your take on that, if you feel the same way about that, or if there's like a, like, is there one way to, I don't feel that there is, but that doesn't mean that you feel the same way. Mm-hmm. So I'm just wondering kind of generally what your stance is on working with different people, how you collaborate, or how the management process works like for you or how you think it should work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a, so it's a really good topic because it's something that I've been doing more recently. Um, whenever I'm, I'm managing people, I think the, the biggest thing that I focus on is making sure that those people have autonomy. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, it, it takes a little bit to read someone to understand like, are they comfortable operating alone? Right. Or do they need more guidance? And typically, like if a project starts up, one of the things that I, I used to see happening a lot is project managers would not bring their team members or certain team members to meetings. Like they would go to the meeting alone and come back and think that they were the ones to dissect the information for everyone and yeah. give everyone this overview and tell right. people what to do. That's I, I, I actually, and this, this is a good topic because some people might think that's the best way to do it. Mm. I actually disagree and I think whenever, so whenever I lead a project and I have one or two team members with me, I bring them both with me to the field, to the meetings, and then they get to see what the client is saying. They get to be a part of that discussion and then they feel a little bit of ownership with that project. Actually, they feel a lot of ownership with the project and when we get back to the office, I don't need to sit down for an hour or two 
and try and reiterate what the client and I talked about. Yeah. I also don't need to tell them what I saw in the field because that's like telling someone to trust that you found everything that they should know. Yeah. In reality, bringing more eyes to a site for architecture at the very least sure. would, would help the project because more people on site will mean more things being caught. And that helps a project because now the per the people who will be designing it and doing like the drafting, the designing, the, all of that development side of it, they will know what that space is like. They'll know things like how much natural light did it get, ventilation, yeah. what systems are there, what shape was the building in, if it's a renovation, sure. um, if it's a new build, what does it look like, what's out there, how many trees are there, do we have a road out there, or is there electricity? Like, there's a lot of things that they pick up by having them on site. So when I manage a team, I always make sure that they are within all of those discussions. Yeah. I think it's important for them, for all of them to learn, especially when it comes to numbers. So if I go to a, a meeting to talk about, to negotiate numbers or to talk about changes, I typically like to have people on the team involved in those meetings too, unless they're only involved in a small part of the project. Right. If they're fully involved, I bring them to these meetings that we can all sit down and talk about it, and then they get to learn about talking about numbers, and they also see the negotiating side, and where you have to let a client know sometimes, like they can't do something because it's going to be more than their budget. Yeah, and to to see me say that to a client makes them feel like, oh, you know, it's great that I said it, and they'll compliment me after and say, well, you know, it's good that you said something like that because if I didn't say it they wouldn't have known how to design it within that budget. So anyhow, I like to give the team all of the information. I like them to be a part of every discussion and I like them to have that full ownership of their project because it's not my project at the end of the day. They, it's their project too. Um, I, I don't like operating from the opposite end of it sure. where other project managers think it's okay to just go to a meeting by themselves, come back and then be that God who can just like <laughs> tell you everything, right? Like I'm not that person. So I like having everyone involved at all stages. Yeah, that's good. And I think, um, where do you go with this? So one of the things that I um, struggle with sometimes is, so a lot of the projects, and you might, you may or may not deal with this. I know you've been working a lot in New York City, and mm -hmm. obviously you're not in New York City right yeah. now. Um, but that distance of having to make sure that you do all the things that you need to do, check all the boxes you need to check um, while you're out in the field in a, in a project that's long distance away from your office, mm -hmm. um, I think is another sort of wrinkle that I deal with a lot more because a lot of the projects that I actually work with um, are not super local. I mean, they're yeah. like local-ish, but they're within like an hour here, hour and mm -hmm. a half there. So normally when I go out and I, um, I'm like out in a, in a, uh, in a location for like an, possibly my entire day mm -hmm. because it takes, you know, an hour and a half to get there, an hour and a half to get back. You know, you take that out of eight hours and, you know, you're, you're doing stuff for like another couple hours and your day is gone. Um, so the thing that I, uh, I think is great that you're sort of talking about and actually implementing because I don't hear a lot of people do that or um, necessarily be as interested in, 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 sort of involving everybody all the time. Um, I struggle with the fact that, like, I can't always bring um, 
everybody out all the time, you know, to to all these meetings. Yeah. You know, just because it's not it's not practical to take somebody. It would be different, and there are definitely clients that I work with that are mm-hmm. mo- much more local. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I struggle with, though, is because I can't bring everybody out, is trying to make those sessions where I am communicating all the information, where mm-hmm. I have to be the only person or one of, you know, maybe mm-hmm. the, the two people that are going to the meetings, but they aren't the whole team. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to communicate it in an efficient way where we're not losing the information because it's like playing telephone right. where you're just <laughs> here's the first conversation and then mm-hmm. like five conversations later it's completely different yeah. and it, it definitely depends on the type of project too sure, like, yeah. there are projects that I, I've worked on where it wasn't necessary to have everyone out there on site yeah. or it wasn't necessary to have everyone at, attending the meetings but in some cases, when I did know that it would be important, I would have a number that they can call into, and yeah. they would call in and listen into the conversation. And we've done that with several people, and having them just listening in also helps them understand what we went through. Yeah. Because I think there's a lot of tension that builds between team members, which is bad. And that tension happens when they feel like you're the one who didn't guide a conversation with a client. Yep. And they feel as if you could have said something, but you didn't. Yep. And if they were in that call and they were listening into this, this conversation, they would understand why that was said and why the client said to do it. Yep. And having them understand that because you didn't, it's not that you didn't try to convey what your, your team sure, thinks. Yeah, yeah. But having them understand that the client didn't want to go that route and that the client is the one who said it, it, it helps the dynamics within the personal team, you know? Yeah, I'm definitely going to steal that because that's a really good idea. I yeah. like it to just like, because the one thing that I've struggled with is, okay, so you, you have these things and this is, um, it's not just about trying to convey the information or make the people feel like they're involved, but it's also about, um, Going back to one of my original points, everybody that I've ever worked with is different than everybody else that I've mm-hmm. ever worked with. So, like, take a, you know one of the people that I, I worked with uh, originally when I started at the firm I'm at now. You know, she is now on a completely different team, and she operates in a completely different way than the two guys that I work with on a daily basis now. And that's just because she has a different personality. Mm-hmm. She's a different type of uh, designer, different mm-hmm. type of person creatively. Um, you have to work with the fact that um, there's different energies on different days with Mm -hmm. people. So like, you know, having that, that ability to bring people in, let them listen to the conversation. And if they have, um, you know, even if they just have uh, an opinion about something or they have, uh, maybe we missed something completely in the meeting, Mm -hmm. you know, but they need to bring it up because they need to know that so that they can keep moving in their own, their own process. Like, like, because we're not always the ones drafting everything or, or drawing it up or working through a design problem. And, and sometimes it's our team members that are doing all of it. They know what to be asking and they also know what to be bringing up. You know, like there might be a big issue that no one knows about, but they just figured out, you know, there's a spot in a floor plan, for example, that that contains a room that's a secret room. We didn't know where it was. We don't know what it is. We don't know (laughs) if there's an access door to it, but we know that there's a room that no one got into. And then when you bring that up, then the client's like, oh my God, what is that room? And now when you walk the site with a client, they appreciate the fact that you caught it because even they didn't know it was there. So sometimes the people that get into the nitty gritty, when you bring them into the discussion, if they have been 
experienced enough through these kinds of meetings, uh -huh. they'll know what to ask and how to ask it. Yeah. Um, I want to flip the conversation now too, okay. because we're talking about this as though every team member is docile, right? Like they, they, they listen and, and have sure, respect yeah. and so right. on and so forth. I've also started to see, I haven't particularly worked with people like this directly yet, but I have seen people who are definitely well outspoken yeah. Right. And a good example is, let's say, you know, like sitting at a meeting with, a, with these kinds of people who will speak up over everyone else and mm -hmm. try and, and push their ideas over everybody yeah. else. Right. And I've had to deal with that on several occasions in some projects. And when that happens, it's tough to be the one to have to stop them. Yeah. Right. Because it's un the, the reasons that I have in my mind that help me push myself to stop someone who's on his rampage of this is the idea, let's do it. This is the idea, let's do it. Your idea sucks, my idea is better. Like when you have that happening in a design meeting among your own team and you have one person trying to control that outcome because of their own personal interests, right. I think it's important to stop that when it happens. And I've had to do it with people who are 20 years older than me, 25 years older than me. The only reason why I do it is because if you don't stop it, that person will feel like they own that project so much that anything that goes any opposite way that they didn't expect or anticipate, they will end up turning that project into something sour. Yeah. So I've had to stop people really quickly and say, you know, things like, well, that's out of the budget of the project, or why don't I stop you there so everyone else has a turn to speak? Because I'd rather listen to everyone else. And when I work with people like that now, if I know that they have that track record of always jumping in and running the show, right, I tend to stop them and I let other people go first. And when everyone else is done sharing ideas, I let that person go last because now, when that person goes, I always ask them to reiterate what everyone else said, what they liked about it, what they disliked about it, and what their thoughts are. And when you push someone to do that, they are now on the spot to try and, and consolidate ideas. And sometimes those people don't, they, they haven't taken the time to really hear someone else out, yeah. right? They've only started off with their own beliefs and then they get so caught up in a belief that they don't want to believe anything else. So by letting other people go first, they start to understand like there's other perspectives on the same ideas. Yeah. So there are a lot of people like that who like to control those conversations. And I, it, it's so tough to get out of those situations. There are also people who I don't like bringing to meetings because they don't think before they speak. Mm. And I think it's good because, you know, and if, it's, if it's a new person and they're trying to learn and they've done that the first time and the second time they got better, they started understanding. Now you know that they're learning from that experience. But with certain people, they'll go to a meeting and they'll, they'll say curse words all the time in every sentence yeah, or yeah. they will talk to a client as though, as though they are the client and the client is working for them. And in situations like that, it's, I, I don't feel comfortable, right? So I, sure. have to, I have to stop it, and then I don't bring those people if it happens three times. Yeah. So. Oh, if it happens three times. Yeah, so I like let it, it happen once. Yeah. If it happens twice, I stop them at the meeting, and then I let them know that that shouldn't be happening. And then the third time it happens, I let them know that they're no longer attending the meetings. Yeah.
And and it's because I've you know you've given right. them opportunities yeah. to try and like learn from something. Sure. And you know what? At the end of the day, if they start a firm and they do great because that's how they ran their meetings, then that's great for them. But if it's a meeting that I'm trying to lead, right, or I'm trying to 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 help spearhead, it doesn't help a conversation if no one else feels like it's it's a good meeting. So. I think we've talked a lot about meetings in general and like how people like can work in that dynamic. But one thing I'm uh, interested in getting your take on is um, back in the office. Yeah. So day to day, people working, people drafting, people drawing, people yeah. communicating things. Um, one of the things that I find that is always a sticking point is um, partially it's my personality. I am, uh, as cliche as it is to say, I do consider myself a borderline perfectionist, you know, and like I, I feel like that's that's been a double-edged sword for me, um, where, you know, like I, you know, I can pat myself on the back for certain design decisions that have been made that I feel like I really need to fight for um, because they were important, and then... There are other things that I probably just were like more based on some sort of OCD than it was like really like we mm -hmm. could just moved on, you know. Um, but I find that I struggle sometimes with working with people who don't have at least a similar mentality or at least like in the the same ballpark of where I am mm -hmm. because then it becomes difficult to motivate them. But they're not on the same wavelength. They're not on the same. Mm -hmm. The, some people just consider their time. You know, I don't think anybody listening to this podcast is thinking, "Oh, well, I just I just have a job." I think most of the people listening are probably kind of where we are, where mm -hmm. they're trying to either better themselves or constantly be learning or you know mm -hmm. discuss these kinds of things. But how do you feel about, or how do you work with people who are just there to punch in and punch out? Because I feel like. Those people float in and out of my teams. They mm -hmm. float in and out of my life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, but it's a, it's a thing that I feel like nobody really talks about. Nobody yeah. really talks about the fact that, look, it's perfectly fine if you just consider it being a job. Mm -hmm. But that also, in some ways, um, in my opinion, detracts from the quality of the overall project. Mm -hmm. And it also detracts sometimes from the sort of... Um, uh, say the uh, like the vibe that you get from the team you know like mm -hmm. there's not an, as m the energy increases as the excitement and the passion for the project and the process increases mm -hmm. and if you know there's one person or a couple people who don't care as much mm -hmm. it becomes very obvious very quickly that it's just checking boxes and it's not about you know trying to create something that is worthwhile mm -hmm. and I guess I don't know how much you've experienced that personally but I feel like it happens at least a little bit on every project yeah um, well I I think it's from my experience it hasn't happened with the younger professionals that mm -hmm. I've had to work with in yeah. a team um, I don't know if, if you agree with it or not but uh, you know at the very least the firm that I'm at has done a very good job with hiring young people who are so motivated to want to be a part of something and to mm -hmm. learn yeah. that everyone wants to get things done, right? But they, they want to do the best that they could to the point that sometimes you have to tell them like, hey, there's a budget, like you're reaching the, the hours on this project, you right. know? And then 
I found that issue to occur with the older professionals that I work with at the firm. Mm -hmm. In many cases, it'll be the project managers, right? So when when I used to work with project managers, there were a handful of them with where like the ones that I work with now, the senior product managers, they're very good. Like they are all about how do we do the best? How do we make sure we accomplish this? And they make sure that they're a part of that discussion and with the team. There are others who have this dictatorship role where they kind of come in, right? Like this cloak this person wearing a cloak, right? And then they like tell you all the things about this project and so on and so forth and the deadlines and everything you got to get done. And then they punch out early, right? Yeah, like right. they come in at 8 a.m. or 9 a.m., but they punch out at 1.30, let's uh -huh. say, every other day or something like that. And then you're like, where is this guy? Like, I need this information, <laughs> right? Like, who, who are I? Like, they don't tell you who the contacts are for the project. They don't want you to contact anyone. And then they just kind of like disappear. And, and I know exactly what you mean because it's not that, that maybe this person, it's not that they don't care about the project, but it's the way that they're disseminating information and the way that they are disappearing from, from action, right? They're MIA, they're just, they're not here. Right. How are you supposed to have everyone care about a project when you're not even here, right? The interesting thing is the owner of the firm that I'm at I work directly with him now, and and I worked with the senior manager who works with him. When I worked with this particular team, I have never had a moment where I questioned, you know, where is this person or how sure. do I get information from them? With a simple email, I'll get a response as soon as they could, right? And the other thing is I can always walk up to them and ask them a question. Yep. I've had certain people who will leave early, punch in, punch out, like you said, but not just on time. Like they punch in and they punch out early and they will not disseminate information and they will not want you to just walk up to them and ask them a question. You have to schedule time to ask them a question. And I'm just like, okay, I'm not going to schedule that time then. Right. It's just it creates this hostile environment. Yeah. where you're now trying to vie for someone's time who should be giving you their time because they're managing the project. So when I started managing projects, I decided I wouldn't be that person. I wouldn't be the person that punched out and not, and you wouldn't know where I was, right? Like, you know where I am, and if you need my, my time or anything like that, just ask me, and yeah. I'm there. Like, I make myself available, and I think that's, that's more what, what I would be getting at in lieu of um, what you're asking in terms of you know, have I worked with someone who, who doesn't care as much about a project? I think everyone I've worked with cares so much about the projects. It's mm -hmm. more about making sure that everyone feels as if they're heard, right? And if they yeah. can rely on you. I think that reliability is something that I really push for right. in lieu of the, you know, is it perfect or not? Yeah, and I think there's... It's interesting to hear your experiences because they are a little bit different than mine. I feel like the, without getting too into the weeds, I feel yeah. like some of the people that I have worked with before um, either were just, they just wanted to work. You know, yeah. they wanted to be designers and they wanted to just work, but mm -hmm. they didn't necessarily um, get excited about this thing or that thing that I thought, you know, personally I was excited about mm -hmm. because I thought it was a design challenge or a design yeah. opportunity. Yeah. And um, different things excite different people in different ways. Mm -hmm. So the thing that I've seen a lot of um, is that people, people don't necessarily even know what the 
and this is kind of sad sometimes, but it's like when you can't, it's like being able to recognize or decipher what good design is and then being able to take the reins on that when it is, you know, approached to you. Um, you know, if let's put it this way. I, I work with uh, certain people that really appreciate design and certain people that, you know, it's not their first mm-hmm. thing, right? That's usually it's their second or third mm-hmm. thing that they're, they care about. They might care about yeah. the paycheck or they might care about whatever. And it, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you have that sort of team dynamic, sometimes it's more about um, just trying to motivate somebody in a, in a way that isn't designed, mm-hmm. you know, because they're not sparked by that. They're not yeah. sparked by the, the opportunity to do something really cool or really fun or yeah. really interesting. And, you know, while, yes, that is subjective in some way, that mm-hmm. whether design is good or bad, um, there's an energy there that I feel like is sometimes missing in, in the people that I everyone that I've worked with but in certain people that I can think of off the top of my head Mm -hmm. that they haven't been sparked by the same kind of things that I thought would have motivated them going to you you go through this rigmarole of like four or five six years of college Mm -hmm. through design and (laughs) you come out and you're like should be like ready to attack the world Mm -hmm. with design and it's not that people aren't enthusiastic it's that People sometimes, depending on who they are, are enthusiastic about completely different things. So, like, I think of like um, uh, even go big picture, broad picture to like an SOM. Mm-hmm. So you have, you know, the three partners that originate the firm mm-hmm. are interested in completely different things, mm-hmm. right? And they are sort of like the points of the triangle for design, marketing, and financial, mm-hmm. right? And it's fine even if you if you if you look at a person and say okay you're not the design guy right but you're the person in the design office that relates to marketing more mm-hmm. or you relate to this more you relate to that more and sometimes i feel like what i'm seeing coming out of the culture right now is and this isn't just at my office this is a, a couple other places is mm-hmm. are we getting to a place where you know we we had the downturn a couple of years ago with the economy. Mm-hmm. A whole bunch of people, it's like exodus out mm-hmm. of the industry, out of the profession. And then you get this sort of, um, this new layer of, of students and emerging professionals and people mm-hmm. that are coming into the industry, uh, specifically in architecture, but I imagine it's happening everywhere, mm-hmm. where these things aren't conveyed as much to that generation. Mm-hmm. And I, I just get the sense that like, the things that were important to a generation haven't been conveyed as well as Mm -hmm. things that could be important to the generation that's happening Mm -hmm. now. And I get this sense that there's like this um, uh, confusion, I guess is the best way to describe it, as to what even, not even how to make a career in design or architecture, but like what does that even look like now? Because there's a lot of people that are very passionate. I don't want to say that people I work with aren't passionate. Mm -hmm. I feel like there are certain people that I can think of, though, that are very passionate about things that I can't necessarily define and they can't even define for themselves yet. It's like 
you know, going to uh, assignments that start with why, they don't know what that thing is mm -hmm. that really drives them. So they're just yeah. kind of like, you know, pointing all over the place mm -hmm. and like hoping that something sticks. Yeah. But it isn't always design, which I think is interesting. Yeah. And I've I've experienced that more directly than it seems you have. Yeah. Where I feel like the the interest is less about. Um, about design specifically in some ways and more about doing whatever this sort of unknown ethereal sort of uh, uh, like it can't it can't even be described as like good thing in their mm -hmm. job and because of that I feel like the dynamic I've had with different people is ever-changing and this ever sort of <laughs> frustrating moving target yeah because it's not even like, you know, we have the champions in the profession, right? Mm -hmm. We have the Bjork angles, we have um, uh, the genie gangs, we have like the, the people that are out there fighting the good fight, mm -hmm. right? That are representing in some ways the profession as it stands right yeah. now. There are the, there are, it feels like though, there are somehow like, more than ever designers in the world, mm -hmm. or at least ones that are recognized, but at the same time there's like fewer um, people that I can point to and say, look, go be this person. Mm -hmm. Or if you wanna do this, go go look at this person. Mm -hmm. um, because I don't know if it's because of the fact that we had that economy downturn. I mean, it's not like that's uncommon. That happens every mm -hmm. 10, 15, 20 years anyway. Yeah. I'm just, I brought this to the table today because I'm finding it sort of in some ways frustrating um, because I, I feel like there are dynamics that I have with people that, and this is not relegated to the office, it's, it's outside the office, it's with consultants, it's mm -hmm. with owners, it's yep. with, it's, yep. not, it's not just teams, it's yeah. like how do you get people really excited about design mm -hmm. and that's, that's it feels like one of the problems that I'm facing right mm -hmm. now, just almost abstractly, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> like in my own career, yeah. where I'm just feeling like, I feel like I really enjoy design and I really appreciate design mm -hmm. and I really um, like it as a thing, but how do you excite people in the same way with that? Um, I don't know, it's, yeah. it's a conundrum it's, for me. It's interesting because I have seen that on the owner's side, I have seen it in other sides yeah, right. outside of the firm. I've seen it at consultants' firms, right. and I've seen the people that you're talking about, not only that come in for the paycheck, but I've seen people that are waiting for retirement. Yeah, And they have a decade left, and they've already mentally checked out. They come in, they punch in, they punch out, and all they do is the bare minimum to scrape by. Right? Right. And they know by doing the bare minimum, there's no way they're going to get let go, right? Because they're in the owner's positions or like their representatives or they're their friends or, you know, like they're, they're your client too. So when you, when you meet people like that who are the representatives of others, there's nothing I can do, yeah. right? If it's a consultant, there's nothing I can do for that consultant too except not use them anymore. And then when it comes to the team, I think the reason why I haven't experienced it in the firm yet yeah. is because the people that we've hired have all had that dedication towards something. Like they had right. that reason for wanting to come here and they had that reason for architecture. Um, 
the only time that I, I've really started to notice that is when people get in get pigeonholed into doing something that they didn't want to do for a long time. Yeah. Then they're just like, whatever, I didn't get in this for this and I don't really care, but I gotta live and I gotta eat. So now they come in and they just do that thing that they were pigeonholed to do. And aside from that, which has not happened as much as I've seen in the past at my firm and others, I think the biggest thing that I always do now with projects to avoid that is I get everyone to have their skin in the game. Yeah. So from day one, if it's a project with a client and they got to meet the client, they now have that face-to-face -face and sure. they know that if they do something that is unacceptable, it's going to be known by everyone else. Yeah. I think there's this safety that comes with being hidden behind the curtain. Right. And I bring everyone behind the curtain to the front. Yeah. So that way they know that this is their project. And I'm only here to make sure that it's going in a certain direction and that if there's any oversight that is needed, then I'm there for that. Yeah. Aside from that, it's their biggest learning experience ever. So it sounds mean when I say it that way. It's not like I just put them out there and then I walk away. Right? No, like no, I put them I, out there and I guide it all. I, but then I like they all know like it's them. It's their project. How are they going to represent themselves not only to the firm but to themselves? And I think that's where it gets everyone engaged. Yeah. Now they know how much money it's going to cost. Now they know that what they're draw every line that they draw has a cost associated. And going between those two things helps everyone start to feel like, okay, maybe they don't like design, but they like the detail. Maybe they don't like sure. the detail, but they like the design. Maybe they don't like either of that, but they like the financial side of it and they like the team engagement. So now people start to find their little niche and when they find that niche, they start to enjoy their job more and then they come in and they look forward to doing that. So yeah. I try and, and find what those areas are for people. And I also, the one thing that I, I'll end my part on is I try and figure out how far people have made it through the licensure process for architecture at least. Like yeah. for other professions, I don't know if it's the same, but for architecture, there's so much that you need to do. So I try and make sure that if they're a young professional that I'm guiding, if they're not licensed, that I'm helping them along the way and then I'm giving them those opportunities if I can. If, I, uh, if I'm not in a position to do that, I don't try and do it, but I always try my best to make sure I understand people on a personal level too, so that they know that I don't just care about their work at the office, but I care about their lives outside of the office too. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I, uh, I, I think where I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying, because it's anybody who's ever been on a team um, sort of can sense the dynamic that you're talking about. I think that your style probably works really well for you. Um, and I can sense that it probably gives your team a lot of autonomy in terms of like them feeling like they're part of the project. I, I feel like part of my struggle is that I don't know and I, I don't know because I am me and I'm not somebody looking outside objectively at me. Mm -hmm. Um, which is, I mean, obviously everybody deals with this at some yeah. level, but I feel like I, it's hard for me to judge whether or not I'm being too critical of myself or the other person or mm -hmm. people, um, because at some point, you know, I don't know if I just need to chill out a little bit more about like yeah. whether or not, what are the expectations that we should put on our teams, yeah. on our projects, on our people, on our, um, on the dynamic of those things. Those are the kinds of questions that I'm, I'm yeah. dealing with right now in my career yeah. just in a big picture, broad stroke way mm -hmm. because I don't know if I'm, you know, if I appreciate design in a way that's just 
applies to me versus mm -hmm. like should it apply to everybody should yeah. it, you know should that sort of sensibility of this is important versus this is important yeah. matter you mm -hmm. know as part of the process mm -hmm. i don't know i mean I, yeah. I don't have a really good answer to that it's, it's interesting that you bring this topic up too because designers aren't really trained to be product managers no one really is right, right. you kind of like fall into it and everything you're saying makes a lot of sense. The, the one thing that I would question is, do your expectations exceed your communication of them? Like, yeah. are you expecting too much in your head? And then do you actually confront people? Because when, when I'm like talking to my team, I don't confront them in a way that it feels like I'm, bash, I'm right. bashful and I'm trying right. to attack them. But I will ask someone on the team, you know, what is it you're looking to get out of this project? What do you want to learn from it? Right. Then they tell me straight up what what do they want to learn? Is this do they want finances? Do they do they want to learn about how that works? Do they want to learn the construction side? Are they you know you get to you get to understand their excitement, and then from that I ask them other questions that are very direct with them. Right? It's like, um, have you attended any meetings before? Do you want to be part of these meetings? Do you right. want and by asking them these questions and getting that feedback, I start to understand like where they want to be, and then I start to understand well. My expectations of the project are this. How can I get th what they want to align with what it is? Yep. And then I like apply that to the people. And the other thing is just asking a question like, hey, how comfortable are you working on this project alone? Do you want me to check in with you every day or do you want me to check in with you at the end of every week? Mm. A question like that might sound simple, but it's very important that I ask it. Because if they are confident in what they're doing, I'll check in with them at the end of the week. If they aren't as confident, but I asked the question in such a nice way that like they felt like they should just tell me, right? Yeah. Then they'll let me know, hey, can you just check in every couple days so that I can see if I'm on the right track and then we can just do it every week. And I'm like, sure, that's fine. Because to me, it doesn't matter if I check in with you at the end of every week or every day. I wanna know that you feel comfortable with the project. And when people start to see that you care about them and their learning and their experiences, they start to connect with you on a different level and they start to trust that you're there for them. And that's what I'm here for as the manager. I'm here to be there for my team, yep. you know? And then the project is what is funding that team and allowing us to do what we're doing. So now then there's that dynamic too. But unless I be I'm very direct with them and I ask them these kinds of questions to get that feedback, I'll never know what they wanted. I'll never know how much time they want me to spend with them. I won't, I won't know how independent they really are. Yep. And I also won't know, like there are some people that love to be micromanaged. I'm not a micromanager. I, I, I only do it if they need that daily management. If I, they don't need it, I'll check in with them at the end of the week and say, hey, can I get those prints, you know? Yeah. Once I get them, we'll sit down, review it, they'll get the next step. And we'll just go back and forth in that way. The whole goal that I always have in mind is, I want that person at the end of this project to be able to lead that project the next time. Yeah, and if I got sure. them there, then it was very helpful. But I, I make sure I ask those questions, and sometimes it might be a little too direct. But because I asked it, I now know like what to expect from people. The other thing is, if I have someone that I can't work with because our personalities don't mesh well, mm -hmm. I don't work with them the next time. And it's it's nothing personal. It's just we don't work well together, so let's not work together. Yeah, you know, like let's be in the same firm, but let's just work in different teams. Yeah, so. I think that the dynamics with, uh, again, going back to the original um, point that I made, I think the dynamics that people have with other people, especially in um, creative fields, are um, they can be very streamlined and they can mm -hmm. be very volatile yeah. and they can be anything in between. Yeah. And it's just 
what I think um, is helpful to probably to people is to, as soon as you realize that people are different, and like you said, you, you're working with different people, you're mm -hmm. trying to understand them on different wavelengths and mm -hmm. trying to understand what makes them tick. Um, as soon as you realize that literally every person that you meet is going to be at least nuanced from yeah. the last person, um, it's just a matter of having those conversations and trying mm -hmm. to figure out what makes that dynamic work the best. Mm -hmm. Well, that was a good conversation. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today, guys. Bye. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of Unpacking Design. And you can uh, check us out anytime at the unpackingdesign.com website. And you can also find us on iTunes and anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. Please remember to leave a review and share this podcast with someone you know.